What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabral, and I am with... Steve, how you guys doing? And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, let me know what you've been playing. So, yeah, changed it, changed it up. I took a break from my weird um, Persona nonsense I was doing. <laughs> all uh, the games playing, at the same time. <laughs> playing all the Persona games at once. Um, to, uh, to prepare for Hitman 3 coming out very soon, I think the 20th. Um, so, like, three days from recording this. Um, for Hitman, you know, so I replayed Hitman 1 and 2. Um, I don't think I ever even played 2 because all the trophies were popping like I've never played it. So, I, don't, I may have never even played Hitman 2. You're talking about the newer, like... The new Hitman. Ones, right? The new Hitman. The IO, the IO Trilogy. The yes. World of Assassination Trilogy. Great game. And um, I remember liking the first one, but I think I played it when it was, like, coming out episodically and stuff yep. like that. So, I must have dropped off. But uh, playing it just, like, in one shot... And I know that's not how the games are supposed to be played. I know it's supposed to be more open and I'm, you know, open and stuff. And I did replay some levels to get some, like, extra challenges. But the story is really cool. I really like it. I like the connections to the past games. And just the mechanic of that game in general where it's like, well, here's this giant. Some of these maps are huge. And it's like, yeah, kill these guys however you feel. <laughs> however you feel like it. Um, so it's it's fun to go in there. And, you know, what a what a quirky but yet serious game like you know i strangled somebody as a giant flamingo mascot um i think that's in number two uh, but you know the first one you know still just every mechanic works so well you know in a game in a in a time where we don't really get that many like pure stealth games um because you really can't just run and gun in this game no. <laughs> you, uh you can try i don't know how far you'll make it um but it's just really interesting it's really cool i you know i've always played hitman games on like on and off all those absolution blood money and all those ones but this one really fits it and i'm really was really happy i was just completely vibing with it then i got into hitman 2 which uh you know continues the storyline right where because right the first one ends off kind of on a cliffhanger luckily uh the second one was like on sale for 9.99 or 12.99 and i was like yeah why not uh snagged it you know, it combines all the levels, so all your levels from Hitman 1 move into Hitman 2. And from my understanding, that will work for Hitman 3 as well. So when I get Hitman 3, I'll have literally all three game level-wise with, you know, the upper, the newer mechanics and stuff like that. So I can go back and try different things. But the game's just so jam-packed with content. And I kind of wish I got to it earlier so I can do some of this stuff, like the sniper missions, you know, the pure sniper missions and trying to get in there get all the check you know because you know we love our checklist kind of game so Definitely. when they just tell you well do it this way and i start doing thinking oh, i'll just disguise myself as this guy and that own, opens its own storyline into what it's doing to then connect me to my assassination target it's it's wild those games are fantastic i'm excited to see where three goes um especially story-wise especially since the kind of the end of their what they're calling the world of assassination uh trilogy uh, and to see where the series goes from there on, because from my understanding, Hitman 3 is the first one not to be episodic. I, from my remembering, 1 and 2 were. Yeah, they were. Um, but they said that you know that this won't be the last Hitman game they make because they have the IP and stuff like that. And we know they're working on that uh, 007 and stuff. So I've just been spending a lot of time with the Hitman. You know, I, I completed it. I'm done with 1 and 2. I'm kind of just dabbling in there, popping trophies and just seeing some of the ridiculous stuff i can get away with um and to see how you can do it so that's been more the more serious game uh the other two games i've been playing have been purely for fun um and uh so the other one is man eater i i the ps plus for the ps5 queen. this game the shark game <laughs> yeah. that's the that's the free game uh for ps5 this month on ps plus let me tell you what an amazing game that is is it really Ooh, wow it's I, you know, if you haven't downloaded, I would give it a shot. There's something, okay. I there's something wild about it where it's so funny. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take itself serious at all. But the game one it runs very smooth. It's like really okay. rad. It's like really cool. Obviously, it's a you know story where you're playing as a small shark trying to get to a big shark and stuff like that. But you know, it's an open world. There's tons of collectibles, tons of side missions. Um, on top of the main mission. There's a somewhat sort of like a crime thing. So when you start like causing a lot of havoc, eating humans, um, instead of like police showing up, you're getting hunters showing up. And as you kill these hunters, like bigger hunters come. So there's like the I'm trying to think of the, the best way is like 
think of like a like a crime family type deal. You okay. get all these weak hunters, and you got to work your way up the the tree until you get to the big guy who uh, you, you, he kills your the mama shark, and then you're the baby shark. Um, not a real spoiler. <laughs> um, <laughs> the lore of of man eater, but um, it's really fun, you know. And especially as a free game, this is a game I kind of wanted to get when it released, but I heard it didn't work too well on PS4 at the time. And um, it works completely great on PS5. It, I, it looks good and everything like that. It runs super smooth. Loading times are quick. But, uh, you know, it's it's just... I think it's a game everyone should just try out as a fun little... Not really throwaway game because I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I jump in there. I get some collectibles, terrorize some people, and just, you know, you level up. You got to get your different, you know, mechanics if you want your bite to be a little bit more electrifying. If you want it to be a little bit more poison, a little bit more strength. Um, it's like it's a really well done game for what I thought was just going to be I don't know spamming a button just to eat people. You have to plan your attacks out right. The alligators start fighting you. They bite you. They start doing that terrifying spinning thing. Oh, it's just yeah. it's just wild. I think you would actually enjoy this game, especially since you have it on PS Plus. Yeah, technically, I'm try it out. I would I would definitely just suggest it and just be like on an afternoon you got nothing to do i think you'll you'll kind of vibe with it i like to put a podcast on too and kind of just go through it because the story's not that (laughs) engaging but um it's actually really good i'm really enjoying it like uh, it's kind of been my thing i'll make a cup of coffee put the man eater on (laughs) i'll put a an album or a podcast i'm listening to and i'm just having a great time really good game great job to those guys i don't know what they did before but this game's definitely definitely great and uh obviously the last game i've been playing where most of my time has been going since thursday scott pilgrim yeah versus the world the game the complete edition uh, it's it's finally algebra where we're satisfied sure. um sort of i got my pre-order for my physical me too yeah super super excited but uh obviously i wasn't gonna wait for the physical to come in i've been playing it i've only been playing the first couple levels because i'm trying to you know i kind of want my wife to play with me so i have to go back as like a different character to strengthen them up because i don't remember starting the game off so weak like i'm dying constantly (laughs) and stuff like that so i I don't know if it was just my mechanic now i I, i've kind of just kind of clicked with the game again and just everything about this game from the sprite work to the music to to the quirkiness to all the easter egg from you know to the series slash movie you know it's just what a fantastic game we've praised this game so much it's one of our first gameplays we did on this channel yeah early and or very early and because we love this game we wanted the game to come back and sure enough it's back and i can't get enough of it so those those are just what i've been playing this what kind of been just spending my time with what have uh what have you been playing yeah so uh, i feel i feel like i come in every week with some absolute nonsense that i'm always playing <laughs> every single week so as you know i kind of grind out gta 5 Almost mm-hmm. daily at this point. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, I go in 30 minutes, an hour, just do my thing, make some money. It is what it is. Uh, and so I'm like, you know, I've been playing a lot of GTA Five. It's time to take a little bit of a break. Not so much that I'm going to stop playing it, but just introduce us something a little a little different into my arsenal. So I pick up, obviously, a cheap copy of GTA Four, And I was like, let's <laughs> jump into that one as somehow a, a palate cleanser. And so I've been playing that on Xbox because they do a great job with uh, backwards compatibility. Found a really cheap copy that was almost mint. So I'm excited to have that. And I'm just having a really, really good time with it. Now, obviously, some of the mechanics are very janky. Specifically, uh, the driving is, like, awful. But other than Mm -hmm. that, it's a really, really strong game. And it did remind me of the fact that I do vastly prefer the story of GTA 4 over 5. 5 is just tone-wise so different. Again, when you're in that kind of California environment, it's a lot of, like, heists and tech startups and weird situations with nightclubs and and yachts and all this kind of crazy over-the-top stuff. Where this one's a lot grimier in in Liberty City and stuff like that. And Nico just... It's from literally starting from the bottom, grinding, poor, taxi service guy to working his way up into... And as you... You know, you get more money and you get deeper into the story. The nature of where you're playing in the the map changes. So you start out in this kind of like, you know, run down, kind of Bronxy looking area. And then you work your way into more of like a Spanish Harlem type situation. And then Mm -hmm. uh, eventually you're in what looks more like a Brooklyn or a Manhattan. So you kind of work your way through obviously what is New York. Um, And then obviously like they, they have... Areas that look a little bit more like Queens, areas that look a little bit more like Bronx and stuff like that. So uh, right now I'm, I'm I've moved a little bit deeper into the city and I'm probably forty percent through the story or something like that. But I'm having a really good time with that, and that's been a nice 
refresher for me um, playing that on Xbox. But yeah, pretty much through uh, uh, other than GTA, the two GTAs I've been dabbling in Scott Pilgrim haven't really gotten too deep to report anything new, other than the fact that it's phenomenal and I really recommend anybody get it. I got it on Switch, only fifteen bucks, mm-hmm. so that's an amazing price for it. So for anyone who's looking for a new beat 'em up or something to play, first off, some of the best sprite art I've seen in years. Gorgeous, um, gorgeous. Yeah, just the animations are phenomenal. The gameplay is really, really strong. If you have any worries about like whether it holds up or not, this specific genre to me, I think ages phenomenally. Obviously, this art style does as well. So it, I mean, there is no feeling difference from what you'd like if you went from like river city girls to this like i don't think it feels any older or jankier or anything like that i think it ages really really well so for anybody who has any reservations maybe about this about like oh this is a re-release is this an old game does it feel bad or anything like that nope feels you if, if you didn't know it was an older game i don't think you would ever really be able to tell to be honest so highly recommend it great price proposition and a if i have to throw another suggestion out there get a physical they're not that expensive they have like a 35 dollar mm-hmm. version that's going to ship eventually and you'll just have a little physical version to put in your uh collectors because you and i have ptsd from what they did the first time so yeah yeah <laughs> we need we need that physical version just as insurance then again though having physical versions nowadays doesn't necessarily guarantee anything because they've done weird things too to them too but mm-hmm. uh yeah that's pretty much what i've been playing just being trash like I always am and playing old weird games from the 360 era for some reason. Hey, that's one of the selling points of the Xbox is play those old games better. And, GTA, you know, it's funny that you mentioned it because I've been watching a couple of videos on GTA um, 4 because that's the GTA that I I didn't purposely skip. I didn't have a console when that yeah. released. So I know very little. I know the whole Cousin Nico thing. I know being asked to go bowling a lot. I know, yeah. like, that's really my thing. Is like I spent one weekend years ago when my brother had a 360 so it's funny because that's that's a game i've been kind of wanting to go because i feel like for culture reasons before we move on to eventually we'll get gta 6 in some format i kind of need i, I want to like play that one it's really solid like yeah the problem I mean, is like ranking it is kind of weird in the gta franchise because it has really really strong competitors like obviously mm-hmm. when you're talking like vice city and san andreas with exception for how obviously aged they feel Mm-hmm. Those worlds are just, I mean, hard to beat. Uh, and GTA 5 is so expansive and over the top. But GTA 4, to me, I feel like, first off, the world feels more alive than almost any of them. Personally, just the NPCs, the cops, like the cop will walk by on his phone and the weird conversations you encounter, the different shops you can go into. Uh, the AI is, to me, a little bit more responsive than some of the other entries. So there's a lot of great things about 4 that I feel mm-hmm. like over time, because of the spectacle of 5 and how classic um, Vice City and San Andreas are, it goes a little overlooked. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, and, and very I cheap out, too. I gotta check out the DLCs too because people praise those. Oh yeah, Lost uh, and Ballad of Gay Tony yeah. and Lost and Dam. I heard are fantastic. Like some people even like those better than the main game. So those are definitely things I have to check out soon. Yeah, I fully intend on jumping into those as soon as, soon as I finish Nico's mm-hmm. story, just to get a little bit more out of it. As long as they're priced uh, appropriately, because I do bump into the thing sometimes where you'll find a really cheap copy of like a 360 era game because they're all like literally worthless in terms of price uh, if you go online there's like no demand for them which is awesome so you're able to get super cheap version of the game but then sometimes you have to buy the dlc digitally and yeah. if you go onto the web store that it's like way more than it should be sometimes but uh <laughs> yeah sometimes crazy. they'll be pricing a full dlc like 15 20 bucks i'm like are you crazy this is from 08 like i'm not buying that but uh yeah no i i probably as long as it's priced decently i fully intend on continuing the the journey there because i know how good they are and if i'm enjoying mm-hmm. four i mean yeah battle gay tony and lost and dams are still to this day i think for me personally almost the height of gta vice city is very close and san andreas obviously too but those are hot i think all of those things are probably better than five technically even though five mm-hmm. is the best looking and the best feeling gta i think the soul of those put it over the edge for me Okay, definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll check them out soon. So I guess we can move into the stories. Uh, we got four of them today, so this is going to be a, a fun show. So the first one we have is something that I don't know if anyone saw coming. 
But uh, Bethesda announced the upcoming Indiana Jones game in mm-hmm. 2021 for some mm-hmm. reason. So uh, Wolfenstein developer Machine Games is working on an Indiana Jones game that will be published by Bethesda. So uh, the announcement came of a teaser video posted to the publisher. Uh, and the game will tell an original standalone story that is focused on Indiana Jones himself at the height of his career. So a new Indiana Jones game came with an original story and is in development from our studio Machine Games and will be executive produced by Todd Howard. So it seems like they're taking this pretty seriously. It's in collaboration with Lucasfilm Games, which we'll talk more about later. And Bethesda said in its announcement, uh, it'll be some time before we have more to reveal, but it, we're very excited to share today's news. So this might be kind of like early look at the game. Uh, but mm-hmm. in his own statement, Disney said that the game will tell a wholly original uh, standalone tale at the height of his career of the famed adventurer. So this is very interesting. And obviously a lot of people made the comparison that, hey, if we're getting a big-budget Indiana Jones game, this is kind of uh, Bethesda's opportunity, or specifically Xbox's opportunity, to have an Uncharted competitor in their stable. And obviously, for one at one point, you know, the Uncharted competitor would have been something like a, like a, a Tomb Raider, for example. But mm-hmm. this gives them a chance to kind of tackle that at a big budget, but everybody is obviously wondering... What can they do at this point that Uncharted hasn't done at the pretty much highest possible level? Level I do like me some Indiana Jones. I like the old movies. I don't know how I feel about a game. Steve, what's your thoughts when you heard this story? So I had a overwhelming confusion um, <laughs> because of everything that was going on. So I I've seen the original two Indiana Jones movies, and that I I, I saw the original two, and then I saw one with Shia LaBeouf, which I don't okay, remember, the fourth which one, is yeah. yeah so I I. I've always enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. I, I was, you know, I like Harrison Ford and stuff like that. Um, but I've never been like a super fanboy. You know, it's like it's like kind of Ghostbusters to me, where I'm like, it's I, cool. I like Ghostbusters, gotcha. but I'm not like diehard want to wear this stuff for, you know, Halloween and things like. So I was like, wow, what a random title. But I was like, well, initially I was like, oh, it makes sense. Um, then I started looking at it, but I'm like, you know, Uncharted is based off indiana jones obviously i don't even think they've hid that fact yeah the new tomb raider is based off uncharted which is based off indiana jones yeah so now you're gonna get an indiana jones game which is gonna be based off you know not based off but you know inspired pulling by. Inspir- yeah inspired by uncharted and tomb raider i mean you have to be um, full circle yeah so it's coming full circle so really weird um i'm excited to see machine games do it because these guys are you know, the last couple games we got from them are just first-person Wolfenstein, you know, first-person shooters. And this is not going to be a first-person shooter. I assume it's going to be a third-person action game. And I'm not worried about them doing it. Gorilla did a fantastic switching exactly. over. So we've seen people switch over. I've seen that kind of worry people. I don't think that you should worry about that. People, you know, companies have switched over. Bethesda's big enough. And maybe not with that Xbox money, they may be able to have some even more help transferring, you know, depending on what engine they're using and stuff like that. So... It's uh, it's interesting. My worry is what experience is this going to give me or anyone that we haven't already had? You know, um, is is it going to be way more puzzle-based than what, like, Tomb Raider? Because Uncharted is a little bit more action-based, uh, slightly more platforming. Tomb Raider morphed more into, like, open-world sections and stuff like that. Where, where in the middle does Indiana Jones fit? It is is my kind of worry for that. I just don't see what. Yeah, what what is this going to do? Make it feel like an Indiana Jones game? Yeah, those first two Tomb Raiders, I feel like tone wise, would be probably the most similar analog that we have at yeah. this point. Uh, because again, that that adventure aspect of it with that weird supernatural tinge is something I feel like they've all tapped into mm-hmm. all all three of these properties. So yeah, it, it's a very interesting direction for them to go it also i mean i guess is worth notice or noting that i believe another movie is on the way too, a fifth indiana jones that's kind of been i I wouldn't say development hell but it's been tossed around for quite some time now and i'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure to some degree harrison ford is involved with it as well so it seems like this kind of comes in conjunction with some kind of indiana jones resurgence it's not going to be a tie-in by any means obviously but maybe they're going to try to mad max it a little bit if you remember where like there was that mad max game uh, that was and, really um, excellent. Yeah, and the movie kind of, and they all kind of came around the same time. They weren't tie-ins, but it was kind of an opportunity to kind of bring that property back, if you will. And both of mm-hmm. them, and then at the time, I mean, Mad Max was kind of a dead property. Uh, now the success of them bringing it back, I mean, that's up for debate. But uh, it seems like if, if 
if anything, they're going to try to do a multimedia approach to try to bring back Indiana Jones in some capacity. I don't know ultimately how this is going to succeed because I don't know the demand levels for Indiana Jones, especially specifically with younger populations who... Yeah. I mean, the last movie that came out, again, was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull with Shia LaBeouf, and it was awful. So, <laughs> the cl- like, it's very much a classic property. It, it, to me, it's it's more in line. You see, I was going to say Jurassic Park, but even that has modern analogs that people can pull from. That yeah, yeah, the new... To some new degree, movies. we're good. Not everybody loves them, but generally speaking, we're decently received. Uh, so, th- it's, it's, a hard, it's hard to find something to compare it to. And uh, but I have faith in the teams again. If Bethesda is involved through the Xbox by proxy, you know it's going to get a good budget. Machine Games are an incredibly talented team, so it's not like I have any reason to believe that there's going to be some you know super weird licensed trash. So it seems like yeah. they're going to do it right. So I have faith in it. Yeah, again, I, and I'm sure there's a few things that we just have to not us, but you know they they have to get over. You know Harrison Ford, I highly doubt is going to be involved in this. Um, yeah, and. So you're gonna get a slight Avengers feel where you hear the Avengers, but not really. You're like you know bootleg looking Avengers. Um, you're not. You're gonna get an actor who isn't Harrison Ford. And from my understanding, I think besides the old TV show, Harrison Ford's always played indie. Um, yeah. So I that's think so. so I think that's gonna be a little jarring at first, especially for like the older diehard fans. I'm sure the younger crew won't, won't care, be but... because of Indiana Jones' sort of quietness for so long. Um, you know, MCU was so popular when Avengers came, so that hurt it a little bit. But I think this may be fine. I won't care too much. You know um, it's just going to be Nolan North. <laughs> you, <laughs> know, you know it. <laughs> I could probably. put money down. It's going to be Nolan North. Um, you're not right. You know, it probably. Him and Troy Baker probably. Be in him or Troy Baker has to be one him, of those two. They, him, Troy Baker, and Laura Bailey will be in this game. One of yep. them will be in this Laura game. Laura Bailey is going to be Indiana Jones. Yeah. Confirmed. <laughs> Um, so it's it's interesting, uh, you know. We have to just see where this kind of lands, where 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 it is. We have to see because the announcing of this is really weird. It's very Bethesda to announce a game years before it releases. Um, Skyrim syndrome. Skyrim syndrome. Elder Scrolls Six syndrome. <laughs> um, I th- Starfield. Um, I think, and I was having a, a debate. Um, not debate, but I saw someone mention it in online on the comments, and I I don't know why I responded to a YouTube comment. Um, and they're like, well, they, th- they, you think this will be an Xbox exclusive? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. so hard to predict that I don't know the nature of the relationship. Yeah. Because, so the, the theory I was watching and I commented on is that they announced this game so early because this is something might've already been in the works and this will be a before the, because you gotta remember the Bethesda Microsoft deal has not been so finalized. No. So they think this might be something that, well, we have to announce it now because it's before the exclusivity deals and stuff like that. I don't know. I think it's just Bethesda doing Bethesda. Um, they just like to announce 100 games. Um, so it's, I'm curious. I'm that, I don't care. Obviously, it's going to be on you know PC as well. It's I have my Xbox series. I'm just curious. This one's, I'm just more curious. I'm like, I wonder if it'll be exclusive. Is this going to be the, I think it'd be nice for Xbox to have that exclusivity for this. Yeah, and it's just weird because it doesn't seem like Xbox is demanding exclusivity from anyone, pretty much. I mean, yeah, if it's not direct first party, and even some of those, I mean, everything's making it to PC, and some things they don't have a problem with a multi-platform release. So if exclusivity comes from anywhere, maybe Bethesda pushed for it, but I, I don't get really the incentive for them to do that either. So mm-hmm. uh, obviously Xbox has an exclusives problem, but it doesn't seem like a problem that they're worth they're interested in remedying. So I don't necessarily see that changing with Bethesda, if, if anything. So, um, I mean, I think you, we're, we're more likely to see exclusives from like an Obsidian before we see exclusives from like somebody massive like Bethesda. Yeah. But I always assumed that there's smaller properties like some and, and small in, in quotes, like like the Wolfensteins, maybe like this Indiana Jones games would be the games to get exclusivity. So they would never do an exclusive kind of Elder Scrolls situation. That's never happening. Yeah, Fallout, all that stuff. Yeah, the big boys, the Bethesda Game Studios games, maybe Starfield and stuff like that, are probably, they're coming everywhere, especially PC and stuff like that. Uh, but maybe the smaller things, they'll maybe throw Xbox a bone here and there, and it's like, yeah, here, you hold on to this one. It'll give maybe some people an incentive to kind of come to your platform. Uh, I don't know if any of these IPs are necessary system sellers, but it might be enough to motivate some people to spend some more time in the Xbox ecosystem. So 
we'll see but again it's it's one of those things that are kind of a big question mark as to what this even is are they part of the xbox family or not is there going to be exclusivity mm-hmm. or not are they interested in exclusivity i don't know yeah yeah and, and you know depending when this game comes out it might be the right time you know tomb raider um is gone right now with yeah. its trilogy that square did uncharted is over even though there's rumors that the fifth one was or the other uncharted was in the works might have been canceled a lot of weird rumors out of that sony studio that was announced over there but so maybe maybe this will come and eat the lunch that no one's attending yeah maybe all right so some other exciting news it's been a popular it was a popular week i was excited for this week (laughs) um ubisoft has announced it is partnering with lucasfilm games on a new star wars game uh, the, this development, the development effort will be led by Massive Entertainment, the studio behind the Division series. Although little is known about the game, it has been described as a new story-driven open-world Star Wars adventure. Also, EA released a statement about its future with the Star Wars brand following today's news that Ubisoft will be working on a brand new Star Wars game with the newly for- formed Lucasfilm Games. So Lucasfilm Games is now the relaunch of the gaming arm for... Okay anything that they own so the star wars games the indie games all those things that are now going to be coming out will be under that new arm which we got that announcement monday then we got the star wars news then we got the indie anna jones news so it was, it was obviously planned out well, what a, weird weirdly but uh planned out um so ea has uh announced that we are proud of our long-standing collaboration with lucasfilm games which will continue for years to come EA said in a statement, Our talented teams have created some of the most successful games in the history of the Star Wars franchise, including Jedi Fallen Order, Battlefront, Galaxy of Heroes, which is a mobile iPhone game, uh, Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, We love Star Wars and look forward to creating more exciting experiences for players to enjoy. So Disney's relationship with EA is far from over. Uh, Also, Star Wars games will now be brought together under a single banner, Lucasfilm Games. Announced today on StarWars.com, the company revealed that Lucasfilm Games is now the official identity for all the gaming titles from Lucasfilm, a name that encompasses the company's rich catalog of video game and eyes toward the future. So, a lot of mixed messaging, because there was some weird stuff um, preempted, you know, EA and Disney signed a deal back, I want to say, 2014, 15? 2013, 2014. 2013. Yeah, Prior like to the sequel trilogy to start, that EA was going to be the exclusive uh, makers of anything Star Wars. And that was, you know, a rough time when that was announced. Uh, when Battlefront 1 came out, that was even more rougher. Um, so what do you what do you take of this? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of news. There's so here. much Obviously. to unpack. Yeah, I don't know where to start. Yeah, well, I'll say first off, first and foremost, yeah. the big, the biggest thing for me was the fact that Ubisoft announced that that game is coming, which signals the end of that exclusivity deal, mm-hmm. which is I'm ecstatic about. And again, I'm not mad at EA being able to make Star Wars game. I've just taken tremendous issue with that exclusivity deal that Disney signed. That to me, that's such a stupid decision to allow a single publisher and of all publishers, EA, to make all the Star Wars games for that many years in a row. I mean, it just and it just, for me, with the exception for Fallen Order, just kind of killed everything. It was just a ton of wasted time. Mm-hmm. The Battlefront games, I understand they have their fan base. They're super unremarkable to me. Squadrons is fine. Fallen Order was great, but it's like, I mean, just think about if they had maybe some licensing and some marketing deals with EA, but other people are not allowed to make it. Like, all the awesome things we could have gotten from, like, the indie sector, like, maybe Devolver Digital could have thrown their hands into and did some smaller-scale stuff, and we could have got some AAA stuff, and it's just so many awesome things that we could have gotten in all this time. So I'm so glad that the exclusivity deal is done, and I look forward to, you know, Fallen Order 2 and stuff like that out of EA because I love me some Fallen Order. That's fun. That, that game's phenomenal. So it's not like I don't want EA touching it at all. But uh, I would love to see what Ubisoft can do. Not to mention, I like Division 2 quite a bit. So if they can do a kind of cover-based shooter in the style of, like, maybe, like, the Rebels versus Empire at, mm-hmm. on a simple level, maybe they could do, like, a Bounty Hunter-type game or, and stuff like that, too. So there, there's lots of opportunities for them to tackle different eras and subjects and battle styles within the Star Wars universe that I think are pretty exciting. And uh, the, Lucas, um, the Lucasfilm Games thing, I think... Makes a lot of sense. I think United Branding has been tra- happening kind of across the board in many different media sectors. Everybody trying to unite it up. 
below this single brand. And I feel like this in many ways is kind of like the ripple effect of the the MCU because we've seen it kind of happening with Star Wars's branding specifically and DC's done it and every, the splash screen. Uh, Sony's done it with their new PlayStation games thing. So like yep. everybody's trying to unite their platform to wherever you can see like all these different types of media all coming to from the single source of the single name that you can kind of attribute it all to instead of having this kind of disjointed approach and different things. So it makes a lot of a sense that why they would go through, especially I feel like now that the exclusivity deal is done and you're going to have Star Wars properties coming from multiple publishers, it helps to kind of have that single thing to kind of unite it all together. And you know how Star Wars is with their continuity specifically. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for them to already have that oversight but to kind of have the branding to kind of go hand in hand with that so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to everything i heard here and uh i i know some people have some problems with ubisoft i actually if you list out the stuff that ubisoft releases i actually quite like a lot of what ubisoft does so i have no doubt that and i i understand it's not for everybody not everybody likes that checklisty and some people think that um Ubisoft's a little grind. Uh, I mean, not Ubisoft. Division's a little grindy, and the enemies are a little spongy. I kind of like their style. So mm-hmm. this this game, I'm sure I'm gonna love. So everything is good news from from this story that I've heard. Yeah, and open. I mean, Ubisoft and open world just go hand yeah. in hand. So it's so, super excited for that. Um, you know, it's. I'm glad they. You know, I had to go down a rabbit hole because I was curious because Ubisoft did come out and said the game won't release before 2023. Um, meaning it's early in development. Yeah. Um, for those, you know, the deal that EA originally signed in 2013, I had to look it up, um, was signed for a 10-year deal, um, which means 2023 would be the end of that deal. So that that Makes original sense. agreement, that agreement is still in place. Gotcha. Which is So Ubisoft literally can't release that game until sometime after that, um, which means we may still get some... I mean... Jedi Fallen Order will probably get a sequel or at least another game from them. Definitely. Um, so that would be something that would hold us off. Because I, I doubt we're not just not getting a Star Wars game for, for two to three years. So it's... Ah, it's I mean, in, it is EA. It is EA. Um, and all this time they've only given us four. So, yeah, two Battlefronts, Squadrons, squadrons and Jedi Fall. I don't count the mobile games. Cause, so uh, in seven years they've given us four games, three of which are mid. Yeah. Yep. Jedi Fallen, you know, Battlefront 2 came out with, which now it's fine, but uh, still, Jedi Fallen Order is really the only one that was really held high. Well, and, you know, Squadrons 2 as well, but again, that's... Yeah, for those who like that, yeah. It, it was a smaller title, like so... Yeah, it was a smaller title, which I think shows that this is what we want. I'd rather have a few smaller Star Wars experiences. 100%. Um, so, it's exciting to see what's going to come from it. I'm exciting... I'm excited to see who else is going to kind of get on there, because... Star Wars, people love Star Wars. I mean, yeah. I love Star Wars. Um, so it's exciting to see what's going to go on. You know, this EA deal killed two really popular Star Wars games that were in development. And it, I, I, it's sad that we're never going to get 1313. Yeah. Um, that game was almost done from what people have been saying and the stuff that slowly leaked. Um, there was Amy Hennings um, who worked on the original Uncharted. She had her game. I don't remember. I forgot what the code name was, but... Um, uh, ragdoll or rag something rag team or something yeah rag, rag team or something rag like tag that. Um, <laughs> rag, uh, something like i forgot I, I forget but her game which would have been really cool um you know this ea deal killed those two games unfortunately so it's sad that we're not going to get those maybe we'll get a sort of uh re-envision of what these people were working really hard on so i think this uh should be a start of something new i do think this is uh i think ea should start letting go of certain IPs. Uh, I'm not a big sports fan, but I know I I watch what EA does with like Madden and stuff and the terrible stuff they do over there. So it's it's time that this exclusivity stuff starts kind of letting loose, especially when it's not something you own. So why you would why Disney with such a massive franchise as Star Wars would sign a 10 year exclusivity deal with a single game publisher makes no sense to me. Like I just them of all people, how much money like makes that worth it? Like I don't think EA could afford the uh, the uh, the rights to that. Like it's just nuts to me. So you think they would have went to Activision, which would have been 
That would have made a lot more sense. Better, but it would have made more sense because because of how many teams Activision has. Exactly, the diversity um, of teams. You funnel yeah. them all through like dice. They eventually obviously had respawn and stuff like that, which is great. But it's like, come on, mm-hmm. guys. Like, I don't know. But to me, Battlefront would be way better in the hands of a Ubisoft, for example, by by Massive. Yeah. Which would, to me, make a way more accurate. Like if you go to like the PS2 era Battlefront, mm-hmm. the natural evolution to that specifically that battle style would be way more close to what massive would be doing than anything dice is doing though i like dices i like dice i think the battlefront games play good there's just not much there for them so and i think ubisoft's good at putting enough content to keep you busy and justifying the cost of things i don't think they take people for people's money for granted so much Mm -hmm. as a lot of other publishers do it's like whether you, uh, you might not like what they give you, but they're giving you enough of it. Far Cry's they all they all give you enough of it. So yeah. uh, I, I'm excited about this deal. But again, yeah, it's it's good that you noted. Yeah, 2023 is gonna be the day. So we're gonna have a couple more years at EA. So s- s- settle in, get your seatbelt on, get ready because we're not done <laughs> just yet. Yeah, wonder wonder what EA's got for us left. Probably a whole lot of nothing. Um, the <laughs> the third story here, we got a lot of CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk stuff, obviously, because it's mm-hmm. a never ending story. Yeah. Um, but this was a very interesting development that we got here. So CD Projekt Red has released a statement from studio co-finder, um, try not to mess his name up, Marcin Iwinski, uh, in which he offers a personal explanation of what happened in the days leading up to the game's release. So they shed some light on what. Uh, on how there could just be such a massive disparity between the PC and console versions. The team also hinted at when the full next-gen versions will be ready. Uh, And so we'll include a link down below to the statement so you can hear everything he has to say. But basically he says not to blame the teams for what happened. He apologizes. He says that the technically complex nature of the game led to a lot of the issues. And he he gets into pretty um, hardcore developer talk of exactly what they were doing which led to all the issues technically that the game has and in particular he says that the main culprit for the issues was related to how the team had to constantly improve the in-game streaming system for old gen consoles and he had some very interesting insight as to how all this played out and somehow how qa didn't pick up on it and he seemed to (laughs) not necessarily blame them but put a little bit more culpability on specifically how the process was done in conjunction with how QA was doing their process. And so that's how it wasn't caught. Um, The hard drive bandwidth of the last-gen console was also apparently a constant challenge for the developer. So it was a very interesting um, statement he released. And what was most interesting to me was the fact that he he didn't seem to put a lot of weight to specifically the timetable they had set. Um, and how maybe there was some pressure from the publisher to get it out a little faster than it was obviously set for. Mm -hmm. And I didn't include too much information about it, but there has been another story kind of floating around about the fact that a lot of the developers who were working on the game originally were told that it was set to be released in 2022, not 2020. So it seems like, the though there was obviously technical issues that there was related to this, the timetable is what threw this game all off. It's just they didn't have the proper time with it. And obviously, with a game that had been in development um, as long as it was, it's important to note that there is a difference between them kind of saying that they're going to make a game, working on early assets, early pre-production stuff, and active development are different things. And so this game wasn't in active development as long as it needed to be, even though it was in the pre-production process and development cycle for many, many years. So this was a very interesting um, statement that we got from him. What were your thoughts when you heard this statement? Yeah, so you know, I when a statement came out, I I, I was watching, I'm listening to what he says because it's I was like, this is so weird because uh, you know they've come out with blog posts, they came out with all their giant yellow card statements since the game's released, um, but they're infamous now for that yellow, that color yellow. Um, you know, I was like, wow, this is so weird, and then and I'm watching it and. I'm listening to what he said. I've seen a few interviews with him before um, on a, a different show about like Witcher Two and Witcher Three and what he was talking about. You know, quality, quality, our consumers, quality, and stuff that we love to hear. We love, you know, oh, the game will be released when it's ready. 
um, then you just see this flip. And obviously, I'm sure he had his lawyers read this, you know, teleprompter that he was going to read constantly because he he did not want to admit that they knew the game was busted on old gen, yeah. um, really broken on old gen. Um, but I could not help but realize some of the stuff he was saying was just legal, you know, legal jumble talk and exactly, yeah, kind of BS to a lesser extent. The you know the statement it's like oh you know most of these. RQA didn't pick up on some of these bugs that most of you experience. When you, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that because if you just turn the game on, just Literally, launch the yeah. game, you know, launch the game, and and now you're retracting because you know the first elevator bug that happens like was universal, like everyone su- suffered from that. Ninety five percent of us suffered. What do you mean QA didn't pick that up? Would you, who QA this game? And not, and again, not to really get against QA because they may have reported this stuff. Like, hey, look, here's this massive list of bugs in the first couple hours and like he says we decided we and the board decided to release the game um so it's it's you know this really hurt the reputation uh, you know really cd project got this crazy good rep just from one game um i don't know why people did that why people hype them up why people hype cyberpunk um up so high so it's 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 sad to see this. It's it is just kind of weird dodging of some of the stuff because it's at the point that they just don't want to say, yeah, we knew the PlayStation Four version was broken. We knew the base Xbox One was version. We do things a little weird. We focused on the PC so much because they're such a more PC centric company, which is fine because you know Witcher One's only on PC. Witcher Two was only on PC for a long time. Then it came to three sixty. Like this is what they do, is the PC stuff. Um, then you know you have to bite the bullet and just release it on PC and then listen it'll come to consoles later. Uh, I yeah. don't understand why they didn't go that route um, because giving at least to some people in a really good state and then giving it to everyone else would have helped. Like I would still probably be playing this game a lot right now if it worked. If it was in its state, I don't want to play it. I don't want to do my second playthrough or the all under endings until the game's way in a more state they wanted us to be in. So there's just so much to unpack, and it's just it's very sad to see this go. I think when you know the way he's talking that the next gen versions won't be till the second half of 2021. I think that's too late. Um, I think it'll be too late for people who bought the game already, because um, in let's say summer and fall of 2021, we are assuming we're gonna get some pretty big games. There's a lot of stuff announced for this year, and stuff hasn't fallen through. I don't have time to play Cyberpunk in the fall. Um, especially when I have like things like Horizons coming out at some point, Ratchet will be out at some point, and all these other games, third-party stuff are going to be coming out. Ubisoft's going to be releasing stuff. Activision's going to be releasing stuff. That second half of 2021 is usually when these companies thrive, yeah. and uh, I don't have time. I, I don't think I'm going to have time so I can go back and hope the Cyberpunk is fixed on the next-gen version. Uh, I think the next-gen version will probably be delayed until um, 2022. I think that might even help them. Um, it's just it sucks. It, it's it's a terrible thing, but uh, I think the statement. I think this statement also had to coincide a little bit with the article that came out. Jason Schreider's article. Yeah, I was gonna um, mention that. Yeah, because he did. So Jason, you know, Jason doesn't blame it, and you know, feel what you want about him. He, you know, he says he contacted them, told them that he was releasing the article on Friday, whatever that time that article came out, Thursday, Friday. Um, and he says they didn't tell him that they were releasing this video statement. He would have waited to see what they had to say. So this video statement may, again, speculative, may have been a quick answer to, oh, man, Jason's going to kind of out us. You know, Jason had that uh, article. He interviewed like 20 some ex-employees, some current employees, stuff like that about the issues there. So there's a lot of, it seems like, damage control. But also you have to figure it's a month late. The game's been out. So, uh a lot of interesting stuff going on here but at this point as fans like most people have done finished playing the game because it's just a single player game um we're almost just kind of watching the drama which is kind of sad yeah and i mean you raised some awesome points specifically like it's just a weird situation for them to be like okay the second half of 2021 is going to be when the next gen people are going to be able to get their proper version but i would imagine by that point a bulk of the people who are interested in cyberpunk and have next gen machines would have been played that already i mean mm-hmm. like is it the most stable thing in the world no but can you play that game front to back on ps5 and xbox series x absolutely 
So I would imagine a bulk of those people already played it already. So they're going to be in a weird position where like maybe somebody will jump in for 20 minutes, an hour to see how the differences are. And like, oh, okay, let's see how this looks like on a proper PS5 version. But uh, I, I, it is just a weird position that puts them in. And you also made a great point specifically talking about the fact that to accept that they rushed this process fully knowing about the state of the game upon launch would accept responsibility when it comes to those specific lawsuits. So yeah, you're, you, there's a lot of mm-hmm. legal games are probably playing with this statement to do some PR spin while simultaneously not taking responsibility. Because mm-hmm. again, I just there is no reality where QA didn't pick up on these. There, there's a hundred. I know they QA'd because this is a massive title. And uh, I'm sure they reported all these issues because it's not like we're diving deep into the code. This is not like something that if you do some weird game-breaking thing where you jump into this weird section of the map that things kind of play about. No, just driving down the street within a couple hours into the game throws it all out of whack. So this is not something that any person, especially a paid QA person, would have not picked up on if you just play the game normally you will encounter a, a myriad of issues this is not something you have to dive deep into the code for so um it, it seems like a whole lot kind of like a nothing burger they say where uh it, it's a whole bunch of word salad where he's saying all these things mm-hmm. without simultaneously <laughs> taking responsibility and at the end of the day it's not that complex of a situation we all we, we all know what happened which was this this game needed more time in the oven and they were not willing to give them that time and they're like does it work enough and it's like, okay, well, we already promised that the na- the last-gen versions are going to come out. Uh, we have all these versions coming out. We already pushed it off. So screw it. We'll, we'll just put it out. And naturally, this is the reaction you're going to get when a mo- most of the players they are probably going to play this game at launch were not next-gen people because a lot of the next-gen devices are hard, so hard to find. And you basically told, what, 80% of your player base, screw off, it doesn't work. <laughs> like and and then and then on top of that there was a whole like preview build thing where they were not either allowing people to speak about it or not sell, sending last gen builds to people so they were even aware about it before launch because if they weren't mm-hmm. they would have readily sent ps4 versions to people but they consciously didn't why because they knew it wasn't working they knew it didn't work so man they're gonna get hit like a mofo with this lawsuit and they're yeah. probably gonna have to sell they're probably gonna have to settle a whole bunch and it's gonna be a very expensive affair for them and uh i hope they come out on the other side because i'm really quite excited for those dlc because i i love cyberpunk but they need to get their affairs order and there has to be accountability for the bad choices that they made and i put all of this on upper management i do not put this on the developers because developers will do what they can in the time that you give them if it doesn't come out in the right thing and i you can't tell me that cd project red doesn't have an incredible talent a pool of talent there i mean they made mm-hmm. the witcher which is a phenomenal game so that just tells me yeah the, the timetable was all out of whack jason schreier basically exposed the specific timetable that the developers thought they were working on mm-hmm. so if they said they thought it was 2022 yeah no no ish that in 2020 it's not going to work right if they yeah. expected to have another two years of incubation time, yeah, no wonder it doesn't run super well because they're probably playing around with assets, doing really ambitious things in the world to see what can click and what can work. And okay, now let's let's play with stability. But you didn't give them the stability time, so they probably threw a whole bunch of stuff into there that were not going to work really well. Maybe only on the highest rig systems. You kind of downscale it from then. So yeah, I put all this on upper management. The person who included this uh, statement included. That I, I put this on them. This is their fault. Yeah, and, and it's obvious because you know, it's just it, to get this game and this this scope out so quickly. And I know people are like confused. Oh, the game was in development since 2012. I mean, it was in pre-production in 2012, I guess, when it was announced. But Witcher 3 wasn't even out yet, guys. So obviously yeah. that was forefront. Um, this is probably gonna impact the. F- they are working on another Witcher game, whether it's four i don't know what they're doing exactly that's obviously gonna be put on hold because they probably have all hands on deck yeah um, for this game um i just it's it's weird it's weird where yeah, i think they're gonna lose a lot of money on this game you're gonna lose a lot of money on this game uh you know even some of their statements going back when i reread it again um and some of the stuff they've been saying it's like guys you guys gave the date april 2020 uh 29 yeah we didn't no one asked for that you guys said the game was gonna be ready then then delayed it then delayed it then delayed it so i just it's it's like so you guys knew you knew it wasn't working um there's no i in a in a perfect world i would love to go back 
and I guess it's more just uh, the, I don't know, evil side of me. I would love to go back and see what this game would have looked like if they released it in April. Oh, yeah, pre-COVID, just, yeah. Pre-COVID, like you guys said, this game would have been, like, this was the release date. I only imagine the just busted game we would have got. I would imagine it'd be similar. The only difference is the next-gen versions probably wouldn't have worked either. They would have had less time with the PS5 and Series yeah, X. Maybe more probably, time with yeah. the Series X, but maybe, who knows, maybe there would have been a bigger discrepancy between the Series X and uh, PlayStation 5 versions. Um, this, is, this is where it gets iffy, though, because like, oh, we're, you know, we were more proud of what the PC version that we released. I played the PC version on... Re- I, I played about five hours on the Xbox Series um, X, on the Xbox One version, obviously, um, immediately went and bought it on PC, played it for whatever i played it for about an hour and so because i had to make sure just in case i needed my refund and the game was not that different and my pc is not like top of the line but i guess my pc i had someone look at it they're like no you're good you're in the top like 20 percent of like good pcs you have that should run this game um so the game wasn't that good it was at the point where i was like well i already own it on xbox so i refunded my pc version so how proud of were you what were you looking at that you were so proud of your pc version yeah, they must just, have been running this on the most powerful rig possible. <laughs> because from what I understand, the people with the super high-end graphics cards that have mm-hmm. been like the 3080s and stuff like that. And again, I'm not a super PC guy. Uh, but from what I understand, there's like really high-end graphics cards. Those guys, from what I understand, have front-to-back pretty good experiences. Um, that it runs pretty well. They're not dealing with the crashes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But uh, again, those, just like the next-gen devices, are not easier to get your hand on. They're very... Yeah. That a lot of people they the bots buy them up, and on top of that, they're pretty expensive. So, yep. so just released uh, as well. Yeah, so you're kind of in a position where a vast amount of people who were interested in this game are unable to play it. Uh, mm-hmm. Most people don't have PS5s. Most people don't have Xbox Series Xs, and most people don't have 3080s, 3070s, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, a good chunk of the the base are going to be, you know, medium to high spec PCs and ps4s and xbox ones and ps4s and xbox ones are 2013 devices so naturally it's very obvious where they're like you develop for the lowest common denominator and scale up unless you have a super really scalable engine where that can can play for everybody which exists like a Fortnite, for example that you could just run that on anything the Mm -hmm. highest end the lowest end everything runs but uh, it seems like, like for example, like with the Xbox ecosystem, since you still have to play with the One, you make sure it works on the One, and then you kind of scale it up for the next-gen devices, add some more a- assets, some ray tracing, higher resolution textures, and stuff like that. So you're kind of developing for the lowest common denominator. But it seems like uh, maybe CD Projekt Red kind of had the opposite approach, where they developed for the highest-end thing and tried to downscale it. But the yeah. downscaling took time that they didn't seem to give their development team. And so they ended up in a position where the high, high, high-end stuff will run it. But uh, And I, I think it'll run it, but I don't think this game runs amazingly, like 120 frames per second, you know, 4K uh, native. I don't think that exists anywhere. I, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure this game doesn't seem like it's been really like perfectly optimized anywhere um and it's a real shame because again i think this is a really really great game uh and and i hope that this can turn around for them but they obviously have a crazy uphill battle uh to fight with not only the legal thing but and not only getting this game working for a bulk of their player base but on top of that they also made a crap ton of promises related to the game, specifically towards that dlc and that next gen version so they have so much to do right now and uh i mean most teams wouldn't be able to do all that so and i don't know necessarily where to put cd project red because there's such a newer name to throw around into this higher echelon i mean you go back five years ago this they are not part of this specific narrative uh everybody i mean people liked witcher 3 and people started throwing mm-hmm. their names around that but when you're talking about the high echelon teams the, the naughty dogs and the, the gorillas and the 343s and stuff like that. I don't know if CD Projekt Red is being thrown up there with them. They're kind of up-and-comers. Even though they've been around for some time, they obviously mm-hmm. made a massive jump with that Blood and Wine DLC fixing uh, Witcher 3. Yep. So it's just I don't know what the range of their capabilities and what they, what financial hit they can, they can buffer and they can take. I don't know. And I just really hope they're able to make it out on the other side uh, because I would hate for this 
to tank them to the point where either they need a massive restructuring or they need to be bought out and that could change the trajectory of what they're able to do in the future that would be a shame yeah that'd be that'd be terrible sad so i mean our, our we hope hopefully this is the last cd project red cyberpunk story for a little bit yeah um until some of these hot fixes come out they gave a timeline you know our i think uh by the end of january we should get a major uh patch then the other patch should be in february and stuff like that so we'll Thoughts see we'll, yeah we'll, we'll keep <laughs> keep an eye on them and hope for the best hope this yeah. works out and we can stop having these conversations <laughs> Um, so our last story for today is, uh, some PS5, uh, release date news, uh, which were sort of free <laughs> released prematurely and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, after revealing a suite of release dates for a number of third party PS5 exclusives during its CES 2021 keynote, Sony has quietly removed the info from its uploaded trailer. Earlier this week, Sony CES conference introduced us to some unexpected information thanks to a sizzle reel that included footage from a number of upcoming PS5 games. With release dates tacked on to the end of the trailer on a last final splash screen, um, so first it was it said like uh, Uncharted and Last of Us footage was captured on PS4 because there were some people confused about that. It did say that on there, um, but we got some dates for some games that were reorganized. So uh, Capcom's Pragmata, which that's the Spaceman game, right? That's the one that kind of looks like a Kojima game. That's Kojima. So that's pushed back to 2023, which is. Uh, pretty far um, yeah. um square enix project athia which we've seen nothing on um anyway is pushed out to january 2022 stray which that cat game i remember that one that um awesome. it looks great uh october 2021 so that's this fall i don't think i think that game just had a general 2021 date i think they just solidified it i guess yeah uh kenneth bridge of spirits now says march 2021 which I know the game was delayed. I don't remember if this is where it was delayed to originally. I don't remember the original. God, I'm praying that's true, though. They, oh, I hope I'll, so. I can't I wait so. for that. Um, Solar Ash, which is... That's the Hyper Life Drifter game, correct? Yep. yep. Uh, that, that is now June 2021. Little Devil Inside, July 2021. Ghostwire Tokyo, October yes. 2021, which fits very well. I think that's a perfect time to release that game. Um, then Ratchet & Clank and Horizon Forbidden West still just got the vague 2021 um, so, you know, some of these, you know, stuff wasn't too re-restructured. I think they were more mainly just worried about some of the stuff that, like, got pushed to 2023 and stuff like that. I think, um, is, I'm just curious, is, do you notice what's missing on this list? Um, I mean, I mean, obviously God of War is not there, but. Yep. Is that, that you're talking about? God of War yeah, technically still has a 20, that has a 2021 release date. Yeah. Nobody believes it. No, I don't believe it. You don't believe it. I think it's funny that you're sh- you're announcing games that are releasing 2023 and stuff like that, yeah. and you gave us a logo. You told us that the game was coming 2021. I don't believe it. Obviously, I think 95 percent of the people don't believe that game's coming out this year. Um, yeah. I think was this 2018 that came out. That was 2018. That so needs at least a four-year development cycle to release. That's what I keep it. saying. I that's why I'm so confused on that last PlayStation Five conference or wherever it was, State of Play, where they showed that logo. I mean, at this point, if that game was releasing, they would have shown us something. We've seen um, some good, decent gameplay pieces of Ratchet. We've seen some uh, Horizon stuff, on, but you know, Horizon's a cross-gen game. Yeah, Horizon Ratchet, might even slip to 2022. I wouldn't be surprised. I I wouldn't be surprised either. Just the nature of it. Um, I just think it's weird. Um, people are kind of ignoring it that God of War was not talked about at yeah. this. And I know it was just a quick splash screen and stuff like that. But, I mean, guys, they're talking about games coming out 2023. Pragmata is in 2023. And they're not going to talk about their, you know, the big three games they keep talking about that they're releasing this year, quote-unquote, is Ratchet, Horizon, God of War. God of War was completely silenced here not mentioned not logo shown nothing so i think it's interesting um i'm not too beat up about any of these dates i think that fits well um i think thinking of uh some of the third party stuff that it's going to be fitting in i think i mean i can't play everything but i think at least it'll help me spreading this stuff out a little bit yeah yeah i like this timetable most of these games i'm i'm gonna play for sure uh super excited to finally get some semblance of idea that at least someone okay because obviously this is not a leak this is not a fake this is just information i don't think they plan on publicizing quite yet uh, maybe that was something they wanted to do like a state of the playstation state of what a state of play state maybe of that's play. when they planned it on doing this 
Uh, and so this information wasn't supposed to go out quite yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm glad to kind of have a rough idea of where, like, Kina's going to fit, where Stray's going to fit. Stray is one of the ones that I'm really looking forward to in October. And then, obviously, Ghostwire, having those both in October, that means that this fall is going to be awesome. And I'm really excited about that. And uh, Ratchet, I mean, if I want to guess, this is just uh, un unsubstantiated guess on my part. That's pro In my guess, I'm going to think it's a summer game. I think Ratchet & Clank summer. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking June, July, maybe. That they throw uh, uh, Ratchet and Clank in there. Solar Ash is June 2021, but I don't think they're afraid of stepping on Solar Ash. I think that's a very different games that they're going for there. So, and uh, Little Devil Inside again. These are none of these are like massive blockbusters that I think they're scared of stepping on. I think they eat, will have their own fan bases. So, I, if I had to guess, I think Ratchet might be a summer thing uh, to give it real time to. Now, now that all the teams, I feel like so we're gonna in a weird flux period with the like the whole vaccine situation. Mm -hmm. And so over the next few months, up until probably around June-ish, some people are going to get vaccines. It's going to kind of go back and forth, and we'll see. And so society is going to be an adjustment period of getting back, and a lot of these teams are going to be getting back. And so that's, I think, where we're going to get the adjustment period of where these timetables are um, going to sit. Because obviously some of these games that during the COVID era may have been you know, six months out, once you're able to get people back in the office, might be able to accelerate to four to three months or something like mm -hmm. that to more classic timetables. So, you know, some of these games that we thought were going to be way farther off might be able to come out a little earlier if they're able to get a bulk of their team back on site. Uh, because I know some um, game studios or some jobs are able to work really good remotely. I don't know how game development works remotely. I know, for example, uh, the GTA team was able to do Kyo Perico, the Heist DLC, completely yep. from home completely from home so it's not impossible to you know do these entire projects from home obviously we've had releases during the covid era that at least a good chunk of their development cycle had to have been at home since the fact that we've been i mean at stay at home orders pff, damn near since what march or something like that so uh yeah um, that's when full-fledged quarantine yeah so a lot of these teams as they come back it, these a lot of these dates make a lot more sense uh, to me, and yeah. they'll be able to get uh, get out in that time. And uh, I'm just curious as to what Sony marketing planned with this. Like, I, I don't necessarily understand some of the game industry's aversion to having certain pieces of information out. Uh, and obviously, I understand to some degree it's like delay culture. Like nobody likes delays, and so if you don't advertise a uh, um, a date, delaying it won't cause any problems. The, like, for example, Lego Star Wars. They don't put it out an official date, so technically it's never been delayed. <laughs> yeah, true. That's so, true. So that that might be uh, part of it. But, I mean, hey, if you, you put out your own conference and there's a whole bunch of dates of things that are, are coming out that we already know you guys have relationships with, you've already shown off these games. Like, I don't think it's a massive deal that they're out there and if they get delayed they got delayed i mean 2020 was the year of delays i don't think i don't think we're you know gonna lose our minds over finding out that stray might get pushed a couple months so uh yeah i'm really excited about these these timetables and i'm just really curious to see where the first party stuff fits in with all this and what sony's looking like because uh it sony was able to do an excellent job even through the the COVID era, keeping that first party output pretty consistent mm -hmm. and very high quality stuff. I mean, Miles Morales was phenomenal. So I'm curious to see how 2020 does for them. And if they were able to do this in 2020, I could only imagine what they're going to be able to do in 2021 with actual per people back on site. Finally. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting year. We'll see how this works out. And uh, the big, the big point you said, it's like some of these didn't even have dates. Why solidify yeah. it? I um, I don't know why Sony. I mean, I know Sony's at CES regardless, um, but it's usually talking about TVs and stuff. I don't know why they. Um, obviously, they're gonna talk about the hardware. Why even show? Why not do a, a you know a splash screen or you know a compilation of the games you released already, Demon Souls stuff like that. Especially since not many people have PS5s. Why not? Don't focus on the stuff that's coming yet until it's ready. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's always easier to announce like a 2023 date and then be like, yeah, guys, it's ready. We can release it 2022. That yep. works well, which doesn't happen too often. I remember Resident Evil like six did that mm -hmm. um, years ago, but uh, I don't really remember anything. I don't really remember else anything else. 
Yeah, the only guess that I could make because of the nature of the way they release these dates, the fact that, again, it was just attached to a little sizzle reel or something like that, and the nature of the games that they chose for here, that just tells me that this was probably a sizzle reel where it wasn't supposed to be a reveal of anything, thus why they took it down, that this is probably just something that beat out a state of play that was supposed to be announced already. That is my mm-hmm. guess, is that they, they, they were supposed to probably be maybe something at the top of the year that let us know all this information, so when they included it on a little sizzle reel, it was no big deal. Uh, they're just c- confirming what we already knew. But the fact that it, in such a nonchalant way was attached and they're like, oh crap, take it down. That mm-hmm. tells me that something on the marketing side probably got delayed. And they for- either forgot to take it out or this was the wrong thing entirely. But uh, it- it's very interesting and it's exciting news for uh, PlayStation players. But again, a lot of these are, I think, also going to be available at some point on Xbox as well. Um from what I understand. Yeah, yeah I some don't... of them are, I think Project Athea is like a two-year exclusive to yeah. PlayStation 5. Which a lot is... of times exclusively. I don't know, that's weird. But... <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, Square Enix has some very interesting relationship going forward with uh, PlayStation mm-hmm. that is reminding me a lot of the PS1 era where they, they had that very close. And obviously the PS1 era was very, very different because they were literally jumping ship from Nintendo to, to PlayStation. But it's very yeah. interesting that, that's, that branding thing and I feel like, uh, obviously, 7 Remake was kind of the start of that. And uh, going forward to the fact that 15 is going to be a proper exclusive is pretty nuts. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where these games ultimately settle down. But from I think we can both agree that 2021 is obviously going to be a banger of a year. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people, I'm sure, pushed their games from 2020 to 2021 for delays and some people just didn't want to release during a pandemic i understand that is certainly a thing Mm -hmm. too people just don't want to put their game out during this that time so um yeah we're gonna get a lot of stuff probably this year a lot of stuff that was meant for last year maybe some stuff that they thought would have to get pushed off a little farther that maybe get moved up now that they're able to get the manpower so it's gonna be a very exciting year and i'm really excited for it and uh, i'm just hoping for a lot of people that they're able to get their hands on next gen machines finally and they're able to hit the production uh demands So yep. people can actually play these games and properly good pieces of hardware, uh, because the, the next gen games are starting. They're they're, they're coming. Medium, mediums uh, right around the corner, and I think that's a yeah. proper Series X game. So the next gen titles are starting. Additional to the launch titles, they're they're actually starting to come out. So it's it's exciting times. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, we have medium Returnal. I think is uh, yeah. right around the corner March. as well. I think that's March for PlayStation Five. That's a think it's a ps5 only i, I mean, it might, might be on ps4 too i don't remember the marketing at least makes it seem like it is but I'm yeah not sure. yeah so the game looks excellent though we'll see we'll see we're, we're there we're there we're here all right 2021 so episode 39 of the podcast we have not hit 50 i can't believe that every time i look at the number i'm like it has to be higher than that and then i look and i'm like no yeah. no it's we're almost there we're at yeah the cusp. We'll, we'll get there and uh i think in february we're nearing our one year anniversary too so we might want to do a little subject on that on the podcast mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. do a little chat there so for anybody who's been listening to the show for a bit thanks for sticking with us and we got more episodes for you guys uh coming so that was the neo vintage podcast i'm jabril and i'm with steve hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you guys next week <laughs>